This is the Life-Changing Conversations podcast. Thought-provoking, pioneering, provocative, challenging, and intriguing. And that's just Neil Shah. Neil delves into the lives of his eclectic mix of guests. With his probing, curious approach, Neil explores what these ordinary people with extraordinary stories are all about. Discovering what motivates them, how experiences have shaped them, leading them to change the course of their lives. Join us in the conversation. Like, comment, share, and tell us what you think on our LCC Facebook page and here on iTunes. Hi, I'm Neil Shah, and you're listening to Life-Changing Conversations. This podcast is sponsored by Change Your World Events, an incredible company whose aim is to create a ripple effect of positive change for individuals, organizations, the environment, and the world in general. Do check them out at changeyourworld.me. And that's what we want to do today, inspire you to change your world with the life-changing conversation I'm about to have with our very special guest, Alexandra Wenman. Alexandra is the go-to voice for the cosmically curious, devoted to normalizing the conversation about spirituality and awakening. Alexandra brings the out there right in here with her down-to-earth approach, channeling higher wisdom. Acting as a cosmic compass, light bringer, activator, alchemist, channel and seer, Alexandra facilitates deep healing and transformation by connecting you with your higher self and your guides, giving you access to your soul records and past lives. A trusted author, speaker, healer, poet and presenter, Alexandra has become somewhat of a go-to expert and wise woman in a world that is waking up quicker than ever before. Now I appreciate I've used a lot of words there. Cosmic compass, light bringer, channels, see it. Some of you are literally heading for the hills, running for the door and wondering why you signed up to listening to life-changing conversations. Now, ultimately, what is our whole ethos? It's about having conversations with people about those seminal moments in their life that inspired them and woke them up to a new reality in the hope that listening to that conversation may wake up something within you. So I encourage you all to have an open mind, be willing to explore things in a new and different way, or connect with the parts of yourself that you may have denied because it's not so acceptable in the world that we live in today. So without further ado, Alexandra, welcome to Life Changing Conversations. Such a blessing and honor to have you here. Before I find out more about you, who you are and what you do, I just want to pick up on the text I just read out. A world that is waking up quicker than before. Is this in relation to the global pandemic uh, that has presented us with so many challenges? But is it also the opportunities to learn and change for the better that are being presented because of the radical shift in the ways that we live and work? Or are you seeing something deeper evolving that we're completely missing? A bit of everything, really, Neil. Um, Thank you so much for having me on the show, by the way. And I I do understand that some of the wording about me can sound a little bit out there, but that's the whole point, I think. Um, I think there's so much going on for us as individuals and a collective that often is is not really explainable. People are going through personal uh, situations, some of them quite traumatic, some of them quite radical shifts. Um, And I think... uh, in terms of the global situation, even before the pandemic happened, so many people are going through a, a situation where they're questioning everything. Mm. They might not be so happy with the way the world is going. There's a lot of fear coming to the fore. There's a lot of what has been hidden in our collective shadow that's sort of coming up or our collective subconscious that's coming up to be looked at. 
And I think in the midst of all this questioning as individuals, we're trying to find out who we are and what makes us tick whilst feeling safe to do that, to express ourselves. And I know that on my own personal journey, I went through that questioning. I used to work as a magazine journalist. So yeah, I'm a very normal, grounded, down-to-earth woman. I'm from Australia. You know, I, I had a really lovely upbringing. But um, I've always seen the world in a slightly different way to everybody else. And I have got this, uh, I guess, an ability to kind of peer into the the space beyond our physical reality and I used to always be afraid of people thinking that I was weird or being judged and I had a huge fear actually of talking about it publicly but then I realized through the nature of things the way that my life kind of steered me in in the direction that I'm now going is that I'm actually meant to talk about this and that doesn't make me any less nervous by the way even coming on your podcast but I think that if we can't be who we are then what is the point of being alive on this planet? You know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, I think that we're here to be ourselves and to really celebrate who we are. And that's it in simplest terms. And Hmm. for people listening, I might be a bit bit out there. What I do might be a bit out there. But on the same token, I get a lot of people that are searching for who they are that come to me that I'm able to facilitate and help them discover a lot more about themselves. And that's really fulfilling. So I just want to pick up on that point because... Very much what we do as an organisation, the work that the, the um, Susie Susie Beaumont, uh, who's the producer of Life Changing Conversations and uh, the curator of of um, Change Your World, is very much about getting people to connect with the truth of who they are. The way I would describe it is with their sovereign cosmic power, which in itself is a bit of an <laughs> out there term, but for, for me it means much more than just kind of connecting with spiritual aspects to yourselves. Most of us are living our story, not our truth. Mm this belief we have about ourselves and who we are and everything about us is very much stemming from the experience you've had, what people have told us, the challenges you've faced and how you've literally learned to navigate through life has resulted in this story, which is a narrative. It's not the truth of who you are. It's just a way of making sense of the world around you. Underneath that story, underneath all that crap, gunk, muck, whatever you want to call it, is, is the actual truth. But very few of us are actually taking the time to connect with that and the primary reason for me is that we live in a world which is projecting images onto you of what your life should look like you only need to go onto social media on instagram or facebook or youtube and everyone's telling you how to look and how to feel Mm. and what your body should look like and what you should be wearing and what you should be thinking and if you don't think that way then you're a bad person Mm. and if you think the other way you're equally a bad person and it's not really okay just to be yourself and express yourself. And if you do, there are consequences. And we've seen that with people that have been talking openly about their thoughts and feelings and views. No matter how outlandish they may be, mm. we're supposed to live in a world of, of freedom or at least in a country of freedom and free speech. That's not the case anymore because you can't express yourself in truth without facing the consequences. No, and it seems to have happened overnight, doesn't it? I mean, it's been creeping in for a long time, but now it's... You know, I mean, there are a lot, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of concepts coming up to be looked at and people are talking a lot about conspiracy theories and things like that. But are they conspiracy theories or are they just theories? You know, are we allowed Mm. to voice what we think or have an opinion anymore? It's a bit frightening, isn't it? But on the same token, I think it's becoming a lot more obvious that what we want isn't necessarily what we really want you know uh, how many of us are chasing false accolades or you know rewards that aren't actually that rewarding at the end of the day Absolutely. so in fact 
I think I would probably reframe that as, as we're chasing what we want, not necessarily what we need, yeah. and not just as individuals, but as a collective. Or not what our soul wants. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the collective journey, what we need for our collective journey is something that we're, none of us are really focusing on. Because if we were, we could achieve those goals pretty quickly if they were, say, environmental goals or, you know, to stop wars on the planet. We've got the ability to do that today, but not enough people want it for that to happen. I think if we realised, one thing I've been shown and one thing I know and, and, I, and I feel very deeply is that on some level we are all connected through this great web of consciousness and it's it's actually a web of love but when we when we see ourselves as outside of that or separate to it or not part of it or that what happens to me doesn't affect my brother on the other side of the world or what's happening in you know Africa or people suffering doesn't impact me then we kind of we see ourselves as separate and then we're not able to help the whole and I think we need to learn that as a collective, our actions, every action has a reaction mm. and our, our karmic cycles actually do impact each other massively. Um, it's like that butterfly effect. You know, one small act that lacks integrity over here might have a massive impact, you know, on someone in 10 years time. And we need to be taking, we need to be making ourselves accountable for it really. And that's not in a blame thing. It's just making sure that every action, every reaction is coming from a place of love and accountability and knowing that we're, we're all connected somehow, you know, that, that everything is a blessing at the end of the day. I mean, even the things we think are going completely wrong on some level are a great blessing that are serving to make us more aware, more conscious, more, like you said, more aware of who we really are on that deep core level and what we really want. Hmm. So what is it that you do, Alexandra? You know, what is a spiritual alchemist? What's an awakener or a light bringer, an activator, a channel, a seer? These are great words. Um, but in layman's terms, what does this mean? What do you actually do? What am I actually doing? Well, it, in the simplest terms, it's all about transformation, positive inner transformation. I work a lot with the subconscious and I work a lot with, I guess, what well, what, what my guides would call the superconsciousness. Um in, I sort of help people to align to their higher self or their divine mind. And that's the highest part of the soul aspect to really uncover and find out what it is that's going to really light them up from the inside, make them tick. What is your true path and purpose? Um, I know there are a lot of people on the planet probably feeling like they're climbing the wrong career ladder at the moment, but they mm. don't know what's going to make them happy. And they're quite scared of stepping out of that role or that job because we all need to make money and put food on the table, right? And I was one of those people, you know, working all the hours, all of the time, trying to make ends meet and, and, but not feeling fulfilled, seeking fulfillment, but not knowing where to find it. And I was looking for it outside of me. But actually what I found is that the minute you turn your awareness inside and you, mm. and you go on that inner journey, that inner path, which is really a spiritual path, although it doesn't, you don't have to use the word spiritual if that freaks you out. It, it's quite an internal, um, it's quite an internal journey. It's about going within. It's about listening, listening to your body, listening to your mind, listening to your soul, listening to your emotions. And as humans, we are all feeling beings and we, we do perceive the world in a feeling way, although that seems to have been numbed out for a lot of people over the years or over many years, actually. But when you learn to see your emotions, not as something to be afraid of or to be repressed or suppressed. You see it as something that is a great compass and a great tool. You can actually learn from them and your emotions will tell you everything you need to know about a situation. So if you feel like you're on the wrong path, you probably got the right feeling. You know, you should follow that and actually listen to what it needs to tell you. Um, I use words like alchemist because 
alchemy isn't about clearing anything, getting rid of anything or, you know, um, what's the word, banishing anything from our lives. It is about taking what we have and transforming it to the better, taking the, the lower aspects of the self, applying more and more love and more and more awareness, more and more clarity and transforming it into um, whatever that is, whether it's your sacred purpose, whether it's that, that core knowing of, of what will really fulfill you, it's making your life better and taking the blessing, extracting the blessing from any situation. We live in a real world of duality. There's, there's rarely an in-between. It's something is either right or wrong, good or bad, light and dark, male or female, you know, and, and right now we're seeing that really, really powerfully on our planet. You have to be on one side or the other. But I've always been a real harmonizer. I've always said I'm a bit of a fence sitter and I, and I tend to be very neutral with things. I can always see both sides of the coin. And mm-hmm. if you're into astrology, I am a Libran, so it's always about finding the balance in things. But it used to be my biggest problem. I'd, I'd often have friends try to get into big debates with me about things, things on the news and what do you believe and what do you think? And I'd be like, well, I can see both points. I can, I can, I've always been able to see both sides of the coin. And I think that there's a real gift in that because if you can see both sides of the coin, then where those two points meet is often a real gift and another way, another path, another, uh, another way of seeing things. So I kind of help people to get to that middle ground where they can see all things and then you come into the eye of the storm. As humans, we want everything to feel good and wonderful and la la and fantastic all the time. But if we didn't have the more challenging parts of our lives, we wouldn't get the gifts in those wonderful surprises and miracles that pop up. So we need the duality in order to learn and grow, but we don't want to spend too much time in either place. So, And I I respect and appreciate what you're saying. I think the challenge is that there's so many polarized views on the planet today and some are quite literally black and white yeah so it becomes a little bit more challenging hard to see the the third story of the, th- the middle ground and when i say black and white a great example would be the black lives matter movement yeah. where you know one side it's a pretty clear-cut argument and then yeah. people argue on the other side with the yeah. well the, all lives matter or people you know white lives matter or um that you know it's being blown out of proportion and how do you then, when you're in the middle of that kind of debate where you've got completely two ends of the spectrum, where one, for, for me, is a pretty clear-cut conversation, yeah. how do you navigate things like that? You listen. Okay. We've forgotten how to listen. We've forgotten how to listen to each other. Um, I, I've met quite a few Aboriginal people, Australian Aboriginal people, and the thing is, if something, if something upsets somebody, if something's hurting somebody, rather than kind of gloss over it and go, well, you know, everyone's going through that. I think as humans, we need to sit down and we need to listen and we need to actually ask people, why is this hurting you? What do you feel would make it right? And come to some sort of ple- a meeting place, right? I don't think we listen to each other enough and I certainly don't think we listen with enough love. I also think, you know, and I've never really been into politics or anything. I've never really had an interest in it. But, but then I realized, you know, and people used to think I was, uh, maybe I was off in la la land. I don't know. My husband's like, oh, I should be more interested in politics. And, and I've always said, you know, there isn't a politics on this planet yet that actually works, I don't think. And there's certainly not a politics on this planet that me as a woman and a, and a conscious woman is interested in. I actually think we need to go back to the indigenous and look at look at the way they lived and i'm not saying live as they lived but i'm saying that we have a lot to learn from the indigenous cultures of this planet and that includes the celts the the aborigines the native americans 
And one of the things that they did was they sat in circle and all factions of society were included. The children, the elders, the men, the women. You know, we have so many people now fighting to be heard. We've got so many people who are coming out and saying, hey, I'm a human too. Transgender, we've got, you know, women are, you know, now going, this is enough, we've had enough. Um, Black Lives Matter is just one of those movements now that is just, we're, we're all fed up. Every human's fed up. And then... I do have to also speak for white males because in this whole patriarchal melee of chaos, even they've been suppressed because they've been shoehorned into a certain way of being and acting where their feminine side and their emotions mm. have been suppressed. So everyone needs to be listened to. And I think we, we maybe need to go back to the drawing board on a lot of things. But how that's going to happen, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a politician. <laughs> but, and I think this is a couple of interesting points around fighting. And I think this will nicely loop back to some of the things that, that, that I really want to get into with you. That the, there are so many issues and causes that are being thrust at us. And a lot of people are going into that fight energy. But in a way, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, fighting for something, anything, no matter how good and how altruistic it is, it's just coming at it with that same energy that created the problems in the first place. And is there a time, particularly with the work that you do, you know, uh, working more with the light and with spirit, to become at a place more of love rather than fight, rather than coming from a place of aggression, where even if you're fighting for something amazing, you're still fighting for it? You can be firm and you can be firm with love. I um, I find that in our personal lives, especially, there's a, there's a balance because... I know in my own history as a, as a young person and, and pretty much throughout my life, I've been bullied a lot. So I know that when you're trying to come from a place of peace, um, but you're not, you're not standing against what's being done that's wrong, you can tip over into enabling. Um, mm. And you can also go into something that, that might bypass what's actually being done or overlook it just to, you know, avoidance, avoidance. So we need to find a way to stand lovingly against what is not fair and true and good and say no. You can, you can say no from a place of love, but there is a time when fierceness needs to be used. And I think that a lot of people have been taught in our society that it's not okay to get angry, that anger is not a valid emotion. But actually, anger is a very valid emotion. Anger can be used to, to turn the tides, to change the course of history. And when something is being done that is wrong and evil and bad, we do need to stand up to it. We do need to say, actually, no, not on my watch. Um, but I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I'm a complete peacekeeper. And I mean, my whole being is, I run from conflict. I don't like it. But now, even in, even in our personal lives, we're seeing places, there's times where if you don't stand up for it, you know that you're going to be left in a place that's going to leave you even more unfulfilled or even more unhappy or even abused so it's about finding that balance saying no but doing it firmly but with love in your heart not going into I need to attack that person because they attacked me and tit for tat you know eye for an eye that is all done again it's a place of asserting ourselves but also listening to the other side and understanding what it is we can learn from it and if, if I may talk directly the, the, um, to the experience we had before we started recording, um, you were kind enough to facilitate a session for me. And one of the things that came out is anger is an emotion that I don't go to, don't mm. like it, um, have huge reservations and anxiety about allowing myself to get angry. And that was one of the things that you said to me about 
accessing that 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 fierceness if you like and you know do you want to uh, sort of share a few words around what came up there because it's directly relevant to what we're talking about yeah i think um well i think uh, when you're when you're trying to avoid conflict and stay loving you can go into a place of Ooh, the discomfort about the fire and the fierceness but actually the fire and the fierceness is action it's doing it's it, it can be a creative fire when you access it i think a lot of people when they suppress their anger for a long time and i think this is what's happened collectively either it's been you know it's been overlooked they've been suppressed so they haven't had a voice um and this might be you know what you've experienced personally where you've come up against someone or something that's been more aggressive and suppressed you but when you suppress your own anger what happens is it becomes a bit like a pressure cooker it can do and after a certain time that lid's going to come off and all that anger is going to come out and you'll either have uh i know that many people um express their anger by way of tears but then other people it will go the other way and be like a tidal wave of anger being chucked back at the person who suppressed you in the first place or the group or the consciousness or the movement and so mm. i think with black lives matter what we're seeing is a a kickback or a spillover of all that suppressed anger and to be honest it's fair enough it is actually a it is actually a process that as people we go through if you've been treated unfairly eventually you're gonna you know kick back um you can see it in relationships where one member of the relationship has been gaslighted um, and they get pushed into a, a place where they're really uncomfortable and they're really triggered. So eventually they lash out and then they feel guilty or feel like they're the, the bad party, the aggressive party. Um, this is something that people do on an individual level and it also happens in society. So I think as a society and even as individuals, we maybe need to allow some room for that to happen and allow some understanding that, well, these people have been wronged or this part of you has been wronged and you're you're lashing out you're you're expressing yourself when we look at children they throw tantrums you know to express their emotions they maybe don't know how to process them and many adults don't know how to process these emotions and we're seeing it in whole groups of society now so it is actually understandable that in order to bring balance back sometimes there's a kickback in the opposite direction before we can come back to the middle and find peaceful ground again but make no bones about it I believe our society is changing and changing really, really rapidly. So we're going to see a lot of these waves going on because we're mm. going to see as it's like turning a ship around or, you know, those merry-go-rounds in the park when they gather momentum, they're really hard to stop. But once you pull it really judderingly to a stop, it then is quite slow to get moving in the other direction again. And so we're seeing this changing of um, or what my guides call is a changing of the guard. Um, and you're going to start seeing, I think, in, in, in years to come that people are going to be acting within ourselves much more from a place of love and integrity, from a place of listening and, and learning from each other and coming together, you know, different factions of society actually working together. We've learnt for too long that working against each other is just not working, you know, mm. and it's like it's the same thing in ourselves. Your psyche, you go on that inner conflict battle. Oh, but this and that. When you can, when you can work with the repressed parts of yourself and the parts that you're more comfortable with, you can find your power. You can come to that middle ground. Now, I just need to highlight the fact that this might be really far out there for some people. And I know you've got a passion for normalizing this conversation, and you have an aim to make the out there mainstream and part of everyday life forever, not just the gifted. How do you convince the skeptics? 
Well, first of all, what's out there for some can be completely normal for others, and this is my normal. Um, I often say divine is the new normal, but I'm not here to convince anyone. Uh, I'm not. I'm not here to preach. All I'm doing is is being myself and sharing my truth and following my purpose and my path and following my heart. And uh, I know firsthand what it's like to be someone who has a different experience of the world and and to be to feel weird and to feel like I don't fit in and also to be bullied for it. And if we look back through history, the mystics and the seers have been terribly persecuted. You know, we had the witch trials. We've, Mm. you know, witchcraft is far from being some horrible satanic thing. It means wise woman. And it's actually one of the oldest religions, not even a religion, really. It's pagan. It It is indigenous. It's indigenous to this land, Britain. That's who the indigenous were. They they actually believed in the seasons and cycles of nature and it was love and that's as simple as it gets. And a lot of this truth has been distorted over the years um, because if people know who they are at that deep core level, if people are in communication, direct communication with their divine self, they don't need a middleman or a priest or someone as a go-between and then they're in their power and they can't be controlled. And whoever, you know, pe- the people that are that are trying to run the world according to greed and power and control and money and economy and all this stuff that actually doesn't really bring us fulfillment we need it to survive but doesn't really bring us fulfillment in my opinion they know that the minute someone's in their power and knows exactly who they are they don't need all that stuff you know you can live quite happily so I know that there's been a history of persecution and and whether I'm going to go out there now but whether people believe in past lives or not I remember quite a lot of mine and the way that the way that the history books portray a lot of things wasn't actually true there's been a lot more persecution than we even know about and some of the stuff I was taught at school about the aboriginals is a very dumbed down version of what actually happened to those people so I don't I'm not here to convince anyone but I am here to speak my truth and to to share and to help people navigate to the core of themselves and find out what their truth is because there's so much coming at us from advertising, TV, media. Mm. We're told how to live our lives and half the time we don't even know what's right and what's wrong. It's confusing. So in order to come into our heart, if we come into our heart and really listen to ourselves at that deep core level, then we'll find out you know, how to be in our integrity, what's going to bring us fulfillment, how to help ourselves and each other and come back to love. And I think there's an important point there. It's about trusting yourselves. And, and, you know, the world we live in, everyone's telling you to believe what they're saying, whether that be politics or advertising or news or whatever company's trying to sell you their product. And people have stopped believing the most important person, the most important being in their lives, which is themselves. And it's that falling out of love and out of trust with ourselves that, that kind of is where the problem starts for me in so many areas, whether that be health or well-being or relationships or money or spirituality or whatever. Absolutely. People don't feel empowered. Mm. And, you know, you get people that, that need to ask 
you know, permission from others or authority. I used to be terrible with making decisions. I used to go to every friend. Oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then I'd know, I'd know within what was the right answer to my question. But I'd need to get advice from everyone in my life before I could make a decision. And then it used to drive all my friends mad. And now I don't even bother. I just go, hmm, that doesn't feel right. I'm going to tune into this or tune into that. And when I say tune in, it's literally just listen to your feelings. Your body will react. If your body react, reacts with a, in a state of relaxation and, and well-being towards a certain decision or path you, you're thinking about taking, listen to it. If your body constricts, if you feel sick, or and we can feel a bit sick when we're in resistance to the good stuff too, but it's about listening to the subtleties of how your emotions react. You know, I have, I, I have an amazing... Um, ability that I only learned about when I was passing my life in the UK test when I became a UK citizen and it was a, a, a multiple choice test and I was starting to become a lot more attuned to my feelings but I didn't realize I was psychic or clairvoyant or whatever you want to call it at that point but I remember answer, like looking at the multiple choice questions after studying for this test and going oh my god there's some of them are really similar how am I going to know what's the right answer between the last two available so I put my hand over them, closed my eyes and went, which one feels right? And my body answered the questions for me because I would get this really lovely welling up of positive emotion, almost like excitement at the right answer. And I think I was given something like 45 minutes. I, I passed the test in 20 minutes and got my citizenship and I, you know, and I had studied for it, by the way, people. I wasn't <laughs> cheating, but I, I did discover that new gift then, and I use it all the time as a really good tool, and I teach it to other people as well. Your feelings and your intuition will tell you everything. So you've used a few words so far in our conversation, like clairvoyance, psychic abilities, you know, intuition, channeling. Um, how do you view or describe your abilities? And do you see them as a gift or a curse? I see them as an ability uh, okay. I, and I don't think that I'm anything special. I believe that we all have these abilities. It's just a choice as to whether or not you want to train yourself to use them. It's like going mm. to the gym. You can develop your, you can, anyone can de develop their healing abilities or their psychic abilities. And I, I believe that it's our human birthright to be able to see and perceive that which is beyond the physical. But for me, it started very early in life I think I actually came in with it because I had I had a very traumatic birth in that I flatlined at birth I um I actually my parents were told that my mother was basically going to give, give birth to a stillborn and they didn't expect me to survive at all and um it was actually my dad's best friend was the anesthetist on hand in case they needed to do a cesarean and he resuscitated me and I survived um it was too late to do a cesarean so I was yoinked out of my mother high forceped and um, I think I came in very open. My mom says that even as a baby, I was like a daydream. I was like I could see things and I was looking around me all the time. And as I grew up, they called me the daydreamer because I'd be off in my own little world. But I was having amazing visions. I could see. I, that's what clairvoyance is, the ability. It, it means clear sight or clear seeing. And it's the ability to see with the pictures in your own mind and some people might call that your imagination and it is but it works with your imagination so imagination you know can be quite passive but with clairvoyance you're an active participant in it and you're actually watching it and i see these things like virtual reality films playing out across my 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 inner sight my mind sometimes it's with eyes closed sometimes it's with eyes open i can perceive um 
spirit, loved ones in spirit walking around. I can perceive angelic beings. I can perceive nature spirits, all kinds of things. And when you say perceive, well, you, you can see them like you can see me? It's not as clear as you. It's a, it's a different way of seeing. So I can see them within my mind, like pictures in my mind. And I can see them with my peripheral vision. So I can, if I'm sitting here looking at you, I can sometimes see beings walk by. Uh, shadows well, in of here, beings in, walk in the by. house. Have you seen that while we've been sat here? Yeah, there's quite a few in here. Yeah. yeah. Didn't even knock. How rude. <laughs> they just come in. They're around us all the time. You see, we think heaven's up and hell's down. But actually, when you point down, below us is Mother Earth. That's mm. not hell. This is our home. She is beautiful and we love her. We need to love her. And we say up. But it's not really up. It's just, it's higher as in it's operating at a higher vibration. So everything is energy. Uh, and if you put something physical, like, you know, if you put a rock or something under a microscope, you think it's a, a, a stationary thing. But under a microscope, it's moving. It will look like it's vibrating. And everything is made up of molecules of energy. So in truth, nothing in this um, 3D reality is fixed. It's all movement, it's all energy. And some energy is quite dense and slow moving, which makes it appear solid. And some of it is quite fast moving, like angelic beings, spirit. They're much more fast moving than us. So that's why we say they're up there, they're higher. It's They're operating at a higher frequency. But it's like to tune into it, it's just like tuning in, tuning your radio station. I just tune in my consciousness to that frequency. I raise my consciousness. And that means that higher emotions, higher energy, happiness, joy, helps me to get into that mindset where I'm mm. able to tune my consciousness to be able to see at that level. And you also mentioned uh, you channel. Who are you channeling? Ultimately, I'm channeling my higher self. So mm -hmm. it's my, I always say that my primary guide, people would talk about guides or angels, but your primary guide is you, right? I don't believe God is something outside of us. I believe God is us at the highest level of collective consciousness, but my aspect of me as divine is my my gatekeeper, my guide, my, my oversoul, my protector. Um, but in that, there are many uh, dimensions beyond this 3D, well, they're here, but they're higher frequency, where we can have guardian angels, we can have spirit guides. Some of those spirit guides might be your loved ones in spirit, relatives, ancestors, um, there are even beings that exist at different dimensional levels and I'm going to go way out there now and I don't okay. normally, you know, it. I don't go talk about it. this normally outside of my YouTube channel, but we do actually have beautiful guides in the stars, star beings and galactic beings. We've got nature spirits and I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it. I do believe in fairies and I probably sound bonkers, but like I said, that's my normal and your normal might be something different, but they do exist and they're very plants have a very high intelligence and fairies and nature spirits are just the consciousness of the plants and trees we have divas of trees that are very very ancient souls and if you've watched lord of the rings and you know about tree beard you'll know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. you know it, it, it's it is absolutely true in my in the way i look at the world everything has consciousness everything even your own house has its own consciousness um, and there are many religions that talk about this. Buddhism believes this, and I know that Hindus believe this, and you can go to Bali and they, they honor the spirits every day. And in the East, it's very easy to talk about it, and it's not seen as weird at all. But for some reason in our Western culture, we've shut it all down, and, and people are awakening to it again, though. There's a great movement going on at the moment. You're seeing loads of people doing yoga and learning Reiki and going to meditation, and mindfulness is a wonderful gateway of that for that because... Again, it's about listening. It's about just 
listening, listening, tuning into the body, listening to your heart. Mindfulness puts you into a, another brainwave, a more relaxed brainwave state. I, talk, I, I work a lot with the theta brainwave. So you've got alpha, beta, theta, gamma. And the theta brainwave state is a great brainwave state to get into. And you can actually trick yourself to, to kind of gaze up at your pineal gland and trick your brain to go into that state, which means you're more open and receptive. Children are in that state between conception and the age of about seven. That's why their mind is like a sponge. So they, anything you tell them, they will soak it up. But you can actually use that state to reprogram limiting beliefs and let go of trapped emotions and, and actually choose how you want to feel. Wow. When did you first discover that you had these gifts and, and what was it that you saw or heard that other people didn't? So as a young child, I could see I would go to sleep at night and I would have faces peering in at me in the dark. And I, I lived in Coffs Harbour in Australia. So I lived in, um, we lived in bushland, so there were no lights. And, um, but I would have loads of faces looking at me and I just thought it was normal. I just thought everyone could see. But I saw weird stuff too. I, I remember I, I, um, I used to go and get into bed with mum and dad. And I remember watching the ceiling above me like it was like watching a movie it was like all sorts of animals there were there was big lions and um angels and beings of light and all kinds of things going on and i didn't have a way of quantifying what that was to me it was just part of my world it was really real and it was Sounds around like me. a psychedelic experience it was really psychedelic and I, I i've often said this i've never done plant medicine or anything like that i don't i don't really do substances but I think I came in with a very high level of natural DMT in my brain because everything is very visual for me. That said, I'm not ungrounded at all and I can I do live a very normal daily existence and I've all, I always joke I love to go shoe shopping, I drink wine, I'm, you know, I'm a, a very normal human being. Um, and I think that's the great paradox. I have a friend that that often he's an actor and he always says do you know what I cannot wrap my mind around, Al, is that you are so weird, but you are so normal at the same time. And I think that's it. This is the new normal. And I know so many people that are on this path. I also know many, many what I like to call undercover light workers, people who are trying to stay in the normal category, but are having experiences that they, they don't like to share openly with with Joe Public because they're afraid of being ridiculed or persecuted. And that was me for many, many years. Mm. Uh, but um, after a while, I mean, I know that my path very much is to come out and talk about it. I'm very grateful to you for having me on here to talk about it. But I still do get nervous. I don't get so scared anymore. And people's opinions don't really, don't really, if they have a negative opinion of what I do, then that's their business. It's not mine. I'm here to help people. And I, I made it uh, very much my intention many years ago that I asked the universe, please only send me people that I can genuinely help and that will actually benefit from what I do. I'm not here to waste people's time and I'm certainly not here to have my time wasted. And I'm not here to prove it to anyone because if you sit, healing actually takes place on the deepest level, not just because of my belief in it, but because of your belief in it. So if I'm working with another person, if they sit there with their arms folded and go, prove it to me, I'm just going to say, no, sorry, mm. can't help you. Because your belief in the healing and your, your capacity of your imagination to hope for and trust in the highest and best helps. Now, my dad is a doctor in Australia. He's a consultant physician. And even he agrees with me. He's an old school doctor. And he says, it's your bedside manner 
that attributes to most of the healing. Now these days, and I'm very grateful obviously to our NHS in the pandemic that we've had, but what we were starting to see is doctors that are like robots, ticking a box, handing someone a pill, you've got three minutes, get out. I actually think this pandemic's been a bit of a blessing because it's brought the NHS back to their hearts, you know, and it's brought our hearts back to supporting them because they need help and support. The well-being industry, I think, needs to be incorporated into the medical industry. And I got the shock of my life because my dad was always a big skeptic and was like, what's this mumbo jumbo you're doing? And, you know, and then I gave him a healing and I fixed his sore shoulder and he couldn't believe it. So and he, he understood it. It was it's bedside manner, but on a grander scale. Surely that's not just the placebo effect. Partly, that's what the placebo effect is, though. It's your belief in your capacity to heal. And that is ultimately what helps us heal. I mean, and this is science. You know, scientists have done double-blind studies. They've worked with light meters and things. And actually, it's human interaction with the energy that causes it to change. When there's no human present, it remains the same. Interesting. You mentioned at the start of that, a question your fears your resistance um and as i understand it you actually shut your talents down for many years i did yeah tell, tell me about that yeah i did i um so for me weirdly things happen in seven year cycles um at seven i was very open it was all very magical and um then but i was sent to catholic school and told that oh no it's sinful to talk about things like that and uh, and also you're a woman so you're a lesser species and also you're all sinners and you should feel guilty and 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 when you go to confession you have to make things up because if you haven't done anything wrong then then you can't you won't do penance and you actually you should be make, you know I, it was all just very confusing but i kind of it got squeezed out of me and to fit in and and everything i used to just not talk about it but half the time i'd be off talking to the trees in my lunch break. But I remember when I was 14, and 14, obviously, that, that real coming of age, adolescence. And I remember asking my mum something about it because she was she was very psychic, but she was very Catholic, but she would often do healing and stuff, but in her own way. And I remember saying to my mum, but how does it work? How do you do it? And she said, well, you just you just close your eyes ask a question and look at the pictures in your head basically anyway I went into my room and I started playing around with it and I didn't think it was going to work in all honesty but I closed my eyes and I asked to be shown stuff and I, I remember saying I really want to be psychic show me how it works and then I felt I didn't see them but I felt the room fill with spirit and they were all my ancestors and I actually felt some of my loved ones on the other side and I could feel them and the way, only way I would describe it is if you're in a room and you say you're doing the washing up or something and your mum walks in behind you, you might not hear her, but you'll feel her. And you know instinctively it's your mother who's walked in. Mm. You'll know who's walked in. Like, yeah. you know, we all have that. It was like that. So my eyes were open, but my bedroom filled with all these people. And I, it was loving. It was all loving. There was nothing to fear, but I wasn't ready. I was 14 years old. And I said, oh, no, I don't want to see dead people. I was like, I'm not asking to see dead people. I'm asking to be psychic. I didn't kind of realize. There's different levels and abilities in it. And clairvoyance is different to mediumship. But apparently they were coming in to say it's time. And I said, no. Another seven years later, I moved to London. And then it all opened up again. And it was like, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> I'm really curious to know that you obviously mentioned that 
everybody has this ability but they don't develop it I just want to know what your thoughts are on why some people have the ability or have developed the ability and others don't but also there are some people that automatically are able to connect with and tune into this gift and the rest of us really need to do some heavy work and serious practice around this because I know obviously you mentioned earlier that I also have this ability but it's something that you know I feel that I probably need to do some work around it's not something that necessarily comes naturally to me see I think it does come naturally to okay. you <laughs> maybe you're just not recognizing it ah, but you're very it. you're that's, very to me you're very clear but I think it that's depends a good observation, on though, yeah because it comes back to the point and this is something that many people are listening today are going to recognize is that we talk ourselves out of what we know to be true yeah and that's that whole, we don't need to use words like channeling yeah. and seeing no. and psychic abilities. It's just your gut instincts, your intuition. Yeah. You know what's right and what feels right. Yeah. And I think when you said it to me in that way, it's like there are so many times in life where I will know in a particular situation what's really going on. I'm yeah. so aware of it, but I'll convince myself that's not the truth because it's painful or uncomfortable to recognize that that's true. Absolutely. Well, most people dream, right? Some people remember their dreams more than others. You have vivid dreams. I have very vivid dreams. Uh, clairvoyance is a little bit like having a waking dream, but a waking dream okay. that is easier to interpret because you're conscious and you're aware of it. It's like having a lucid dream mm. and you're interacting with your consciousness. Um, in terms of channeling, it's a direct connection with a, a spirit or a guide or your higher self. It's not transmediumship. Transmediumship is a very different thing. Transmediumship is when you invite a ghost or a spirit of a, a, a disincarnate spirit who has been human to step into your body and take over your body. And you'll see transmedium actually, they let the spirit take over their body like ghosts, like Whoopi Goldberg on ghosts. Mm. Channeling is different. Channeling is with higher vibration beings like angelics, um, high level spirit guides, ascended masters that are operating at a very high vibrational frequency of love, pure love. So they won't take over, they won't dominate you. They're not going to take over your body and you're not going to have ectoplasm coming out your nose. Um, <laughs> it's what not like shame. your head's going to spin around and pop off. What it is oh, is that's a, what I was waiting for. I know, the drama, the drama. <laughs> but what it is is a very loving interface. So say I, um, I work with angels and angels are very real, but they're very much a level of our own consciousness at the same time as being beings of light. And I, I could go down a rabbit hole with that, but I won't. But if we think of them as beings of light that are pure love, an angel will come in and it can actually step into your energy field, envelop you in its wings of light and hold you in a vibration. And anyone who's had an angelic experience will tell you that it's something that you do not readily forget. And once you've had it, you never unhave it and you never forget it. Like it's like once you awaken and you realize there's something there, no one can convince you otherwise, right? But you have to have the experience in order to believe it sometimes. But we have to be open to it. But what happens is these these beautiful guides and beings will come in, they will interface with me. So they step into my energy field, but I'm very conscious, I'm very awake and very alert and very present. And they'll deliver a message. And sometimes it's a, a message that I'll speak out loud if I'm in session with someone, but it very much works with my own interpretation and my own consciousness, but they'll speak and then I'm sort of acting like the interpreter or the interface. So they will actually use the language that I would use and they bring it through in a way that I will understand it, but also in the way that other person will understand it because it's not about, um, it's not meant to be too highfalutin. It's not meant to make you feel like you're 
Mm. You know, it, it comes through kind of in layman's terms, I suppose, but very loving. A true guide of light will never dominate you. It will never give you orders. It doesn't want to be worshipped. They see us very much as their equals. They don't want to be put on a pedestal. It's all about empowering us and helping us. And to me, it's it's not just the words that I speak. It's the energy that comes through. So you end up feeling a really overall sense of well-being as though you've been scrubbed clean from the inside out just from the, the interaction with them. It's so loving and it's it's just the most beautiful thing ever. I wouldn't ever want to not have these experiences. I feel like I'm very blessed and I would call it a gift in that way. It's a gift for me because it's it's just so beautiful in terms of me being gifted or more special than anybody else. Well, I'm different. I'm, I have this unique ability, but so many other people have it and everyone has their own unique ability. And some people are more what we call clairsentient or clairfeeling. They navigate the world through their, through their emotions or their mm. feeling awareness. Some people are clairaudient and they hear. I have all of it. I never used to. I used to just have clairvoyance, but I have learned to develop my clear hearing, my clear feeling. The other thing I have, which is a huge component of channeling, is what we call clear knowing or clear cognizance, where I literally just, I'm, I say things, I don't know where I'm getting the information, and it just comes through. And I think you have that. That's what you have, you, a very clear channel. So, And definitely feeling as well. Yeah, mm. I can feel it in my body, yeah. for sure. My poetry comes through from straight download. I, I write I write poetry, I'm prolific, it doesn't stop. I have done since I was four. And it's like a tap turns on, it all rhymes and it comes through me like water. Now I'm developing, de developing them into songs. So wow. yeah, it's amazing. Beautiful. So give us a sense of what it's like to live with this gift on a, on a daily basis. You know, how do you switch off when you've got all this stuff going on? And, but do you also ever have fun with it or get mischievous with it? or? Use it to like spy on what your husband's up to. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I never misuse it. Um, there are huge <laughs> repercussions if you misuse it. It's all about staying in that love vibration, but it it's not an easy path. It's not always an easy path. I've been put through my paces. It can often be quite hard actually because I don't just feel my, what's going on with me when I work with clients. Often I I will dream of them the night before or I will feel what they're feeling. Um, and I, I mean, I can very much feel what's going on in the collective. So before the pandemic started, I was having these weird panic attacks in my body and didn't know where they were coming from, but I felt like something really big was about to happen, but I wasn't being given the information of what it was. I could just feel this panic. And now we're in this sort of almost global panic. And I was like in overwhelm to the point where I shut my business and moved everything online six months before everyone moved online. So hmm. talk about my body being psychic. And obviously it's, it's a very interesting time and there's so many different stories and theories and ideas floating around and, you know, everything from pandemic, pandemic, you know, 5G, 5D, like the, the list goes on. You know, what are your perceptions and thoughts and some of the theories that are circulating at the moment? First of all, my opinion of 5G is that it is not good for our health and I don't agree with that as a positive technology and I do believe that we actually have access to a lot of really positive technology um, but for whatever reason either it doesn't make enough money for people and I know that Tesla was working on some of this technology back in the day. Um, We're talking about Nikola Tesla not Nikola, Elon Musk. Yeah Nikola Tesla yeah the, the Nikola Tesla uh, he understood that it was possible to have safe and healthy electricity 
and was rolling it out and a lot of people have tried to develop it since then um but it i guess it doesn't make money just like people getting well doesn't make money for big pharma but we're we're finding other ways of being so i i don't really agree with 5g i don't think it's safe and i I have felt it in my body and in my, my vibratory field as, a, field as a negative vibration and had my own problems to deal with there. Mm. Um, in terms of the connection between 5G and this pandemic, I feel intuitively that there is a connection there somewhere. I don't know what it is. I, I can't tell you that it is. And, and I'm certainly not going to pretend that I know what it is. But my intuition tells me something is up there's something not right here. I also feel um, very strongly that it, it and people might not like me saying this, but I do think it was planned. I do think it was planned. I don't, again, I don't know how or what's going on, but I don't believe this virus is a natural thing. I think it was lab created. I think that whoever released it, and again, I don't know, but my sense is that it, it is, and I've heard scientists come out and say that it was, that it, there's no way it's a natural thing. They now have cases that they, even with the track and trace, they don't know how people have caught it. So mm. I think that we have to be very, very careful of going into fear. And that's the one thing that I'm careful of with all the different theories and the news stories about it. Again, I would say to people, feel what is a truth to you. You know, I've got lots of friends sending me lots of videos and what can happen is you get all these videos of conspiracy theories and it puts you into fear because you kind of go, oh yeah. my God, the world's coming to an end and it's like 1984 and it's all terrifying and dystopian. So I tend to steer clear of that, but I also steer clear of the mainstream news and I just trust that if there's information I'm meant to know, it will either come through my guidance or it will pass it will pass to me in conversation with someone and then I know, oh, well, maybe I'm meant to kind of feel into this. But I do always feel into it. Do I need to know this? Is it going to put me into a state of fear and panic that's not going to serve anyone or not going to help me? Is this something I need to act on? Is that something I need to listen to? And if it is, then I will. But again, I would just say to all of you out there listening, it's about empowerment. Claim back your power Ask yourself what feels true to you. Don't just follow the authorities or follow the status quo or believe what you're being fed. Question everything is my my common statement. Question everything from what's in your food to what's on TV and find the truth for you. And I think there's an important point there about critical thinking. A lot of us given up the ability to critically think and whether that's about some of the things that we've just spoken about or just the subject that we're here to talk about in general about kind of the, the, the kind of the deeper connection to aspects of ourselves that have been hidden you know the universe spirit whatever you want to call it is employing some critical thinking and trusting yourself and I yeah. think that's really comes back to that point of us finding our sovereign cosmic power again finding your sovereign cosmic power yeah. And talking about finding sovereign cosmic power, we've just been on a bit of a journey for you to reconnect me with mine. Um, so we obviously mentioned the fact that you gave me a reading healing session. I'm not sure what you'd call it, uh, which was really powerful. It was really profound. Um, it felt like it was 20 minutes, but I think it was a good few hours. Um, over you know, two hours. Yeah, it was over it was. two hours. Yeah. And I, I think I was quite literally away with the fairies um, for, for quite a lot of it. Um so I don't consciously recall. Uh, I do 
definitely feel calmer and more peaceful and more grounded it feels like things have shifted it feels like things are still settling it's kind of like everything was thrown up in the air and it's just all now suddenly starting to find its place or its new place there's obviously a lot of stuff that came through i'm just really curious from your perspective as the facilitator when you're sitting there working with someone as you were working with me earlier obviously you've got someone that is obviously having some revelations having some guidance having some messages having some healing what is it that you are feeling and experiencing as you're facilitating that and more and more specifically what were you feeling and experiencing as you were giving a session to me earlier yeah it's interesting for me when i work with someone one-on-one it's almost like i can slightly merge my consciousness with yours so i will feel first of all i'll feel what you're feeling so Mm -hmm. if you've got any trapped emotions anywhere i'll feel where they are in the body so the first impressions i'll get is is there a is there a place in your body such as your heart or your power center behind your belly um where you might be holding some trapped emotion and there's various places i can feel that i can sometimes feel if people have had injuries or things um, that need healing, but it mostly starts with the emotion of feel, first of all. And then my I have a, an amazing healing guide team that will surround me and I'll also work with your healing guide team and your higher self. So the guides will come in, they'll hold the space. We do a bit of preparation where we, we work with white light and we, we pre- mm-hmm. prepare and protect the space. But then they'll use my visuals and my hearing to sort of na- help me navigate through any blockages or issues that you might be having my guides will speak a lot in metaphor so they'll show me like they might show me the soul as a sphere as the the soul aspect of you but they'll show me you as a sphere of energy and they'll show me if there's any cracks in the soul energy so if there's been a a trauma that's happened soul cracks often happen because of deep trauma Um, and so they'll give me a visual map of your energy field and they'll say like this is a this is deep trauma they'll often tell me that's connected to grief and that that grief doesn't always have to be yours it can be something ancestral it could be something in a past life or or your childhood that happened it could be something in the present life um mm-hmm. sometimes we have different timelines so they'll show me if you're on the highest timeline for you or if you need to be lifted up through to like clear the grief around it neutralize all that move you through that heal that crack and then lift you up onto your highest path and and soul timeline in this lifetime. Okay. And, you you know, obviously when you've taken someone through that that kind of experience, what could the individual hope and expect for after the session in the days, weeks, months to come? What can I expect in the the days, weeks, months to come? Well, say you've got a deep core pattern, which is one of the reasons that we might do the session. You come in and say, well, this just keeps happening to me over and over again. And it might be something in a relationship or you mm-hmm. keep having the same experience. What my aim is to get to the, the deep core uh, root of that, where it started and what's causing it in order to release it so that you don't have to keep playing out that pattern again. So if it's to do with love and relationships, our aim is to release that pattern, lift you out of that timeline so the next person that comes along, you don't repeat that same pattern. There can be levels and layers to this work, so there can be different aspects of it. Um, But in the case of something as deep as a a crack in the soul energy, you would expect that change to be pretty rapid. My, My intention is for the healing that takes place to be immediate. Um, and for you to start seeing evidence of that playing out in your daily life now it can happen in different ways and there's no telling how it starts with how you feel 
So you may just feel different after a session. You might just feel better. Um, I know that with myself, when I clear stuff for myself, because I do do sessions on myself as well, and I also work with other healers, but if I've cleared something really deep, a core patterning, you know, an, an opportunity sometimes will present itself for you to repeat that pattern. And you might just find, oh God, this is happening again. But then you'll, you'll be aware of it and you won't play out that, that, that pattern. You won't have the same reaction or you won't do the same thing. So the universe might test you on it just to warn you. Doesn't always. Or the other thing that can happen is you might go to look for the emotion. You might be just doing something and you'll go to look for the, the emotion because you're used to feeling it, but you'll notice that it's absent. So sometimes these emotions are very subconscious and we don't even realize they're there. So like a test could be, you could be in a toxic relationship which you've come out of and then you get tested by the opportunity to go back into that relationship could present itself again. Yeah, or, or another toxic relationship might um. turn up and go, woo, this looks really good. Are you going to do it? And you'll mm. go, hang on a minute, I'm repeating a pattern. You might start to veer towards it or sometimes, sometimes depending on how deep the wound, you, you might get a little slap from the universe and so what level of personal responsibility would the individual have after the process to ensure they don't slip back into old habit patterns well it's your healing is 100 percent your responsibility i'm afraid to say i don't take responsibility Damn. <laughs> <laughs> um but i'm just a facilitator but it, it's about noticing it and understanding that all yeah. healing is a journey like we can't wave a magic wand and go oh ta-da you're completely fixed forever and you never yeah. need any more help but it's about just having that awareness of yourself. And it's always my intention that my sessions will lead you into a deeper awareness of yourself so that you can kind of start to monitor how you feel, what you perceive. If you, if you start to be aware that, you know, you're moving into a situation or a relationship or something with another person and they may not 100% be treating you the way that you should be treated, then, yeah, it's your responsibility to go, hang on, I deserve better than this or, you know, or is this, mm. or to assert yourself, you know, oftentimes we just take what we're given because we've been taught not to speak up for ourselves or that it's wrong to stand our ground. And again, it's about asserting yourself. I know that with me and my husband, for example, when we first started seeing each other, it was a real test for me because I just used to think I was lucky, you know, I'm really lucky somebody loves me. And, you know, I, um, but with Tony, bless him, I was like, well, actually, I need I need this to happen for me to be happy in this relationship. I want the fairy tale. Let's let's do that. And and he did it. He complied. And I was like, oh okay, this is true love. Then <laughs> he did as he was told. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, she was joking. But he was he was actually listening. And you know, when somebody loves you, they do listen. You yeah, know, they do listen, and they want to know what's going to help and and how to work with you. I'm just thinking there are going to be some people listening today that think this is a load of bs <laughs> you live you die some people are good and lives I bless them with love some people have crappy lives they won't believe in past lives soul contracts or anything else you've discussed um how do you respond to that i know your aim is to normalize these kind of conversations but how do you you know engage with or put yourself out there without being accused of being mentally unwell it's an interesting thing. That's probably why I haven't put myself out there quite so much before. Um, but now. I usually always respond with love and thank you for your opinion. And it's not mine. And I, I am happy to accept and honor their opinion. I'm not here to change them, as I said. Like, if people don't agree, they're welcome to switch off the podcast and, and not listen. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to listen to something 
it's again it's your free will it's your empower yourself walk away if it doesn't resonate you know or listen wait till the end and if you decide you don't like it you never need to think about this stuff again exactly you have, but a have an open mind because yeah. you never know you might come across something that could yeah. be that life-changing conversation that changes the course of your life but also ask for evidence you're in control if you don't believe in angels and you think they're a load of bs here's a test why don't you test them why don't you say angels if you're really there this is how it started for me if you really exist because I thought my mum was mad when I was like in my 20s and she started going, why didn't you ask your angels for help? I was like, oh, come on, mother, not that again. You know, because by that time I'd... Mm. But I said, all right, I was at rock bottom. I needed help. If there is anyone there, if there is such a thing as angels, then I need a sign. Show me a sign. And it has to be irrefutable. And I, you might think it's coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. For the next about four or five months... Everywhere I went was the word angel. I would open a book. There it was. I was on a bus and someone was like, oh, you know, angels, talking to the person behind them. I'd go to the supermarket. Would angel please come to the cash register? People would walk past me. Angel written on their T-shirt. I could not ignore it to the point where, you know, I even went on a drive, you know, up near home with my ex-boyfriend when I was at home in Coffs. And we went to this reserve and it was called Archangel Gabriel something reserve. And we parked right in front of the sign and I could not escape it. White feathers everywhere is another sign. Like I'm currently finding white feathers everywhere again to the point where in rooms where you don't expect to see white feathers. I went into my bathroom the other day. I put this on my Instagram actually. And hanging off the hand towel by the doorknob was the biggest fluffiest white feather sticking out from the hand towel now you might say oh it's been in the laundry and it's cool so what i still saw it you know another day there was one hanging from a spider web spinning around in the middle of my eye line you're just you'll look up and they'll be like and i remember after i had a huge angel experience at a healing workshop once having this massive vision and another angel healer running across the room and going oh my god i saw that whole thing you need to work with the angels they want you to write wow. about them they're going and i was a journalist at the time and i thought she's bonkers what's she talking about we both looked down and between our feet was this massive white feather so look out for the signs and do test them. Ask for your evidence. It's up to you. It's not up to me to convince you. There's a bit of homework for everyone. And yeah. it was interesting as you started talking about angels. Nanook, my dog, is sitting here and he's... Um, he is he's, an angel he's, dog. He's um, agreeing with you. He's sighing in agreement. He is, isn't he? And he's, he is a white dog, by the way, I have to tell you guys. <laughs> he looks like a big white feather when he's lying down. Yeah, for the people that watch and uh, that follow the life-changing conversations, you'll have come across him before because he's actually met most of the guests. So you have your latest book, Precious Wisdom, Alchemy of Awakening, which is um, it's coming soon? Well, I have written that book. Uh, that's not the one that's coming out just yet. It will be coming out probably in the next year or so, I think. Fantastic. Um, but I've you have got something coming soon, haven't you? I have got something coming soon. So I've, I've, been published, I've published two collections of poetry, which I've self-published. And I've been in a book called 21 Rituals to Connect with Nature by a beautiful lady by the name of Teresa Chung. But I have my first Archangel Oracle deck coming out in April 2021. So it's available for pre-order now. And it is actually, it's about archangels and how they can help you with your life. But it's actually about how you can embody the angelic principles and, and uh, live according to their teachings in your daily life. So how to align more with love and, and, and be a better person. 
live in integrity basically with the help of the angels fantastic so if people want to work with you receive help support interact with you how can they do so so I work with one-on-one clients. Um, I either do one-on-one sessions, one-off, or you can book a package to work with me. I mentor people. Um, I also teach workshops. I'm doing a lot online at the moment. So I have these uh, Archangel workshops that are starting at the end of September. Um, and they will help you to work directly with the angels yourself. You get attuned to their energy and then it shows you how you can implement their teachings in your daily life. Um, I also run amazing um, women's circles, support circles for women. I will be doing men as well. It's more light worker circles, but at the moment I'm, I'm running them. Um, but my, it's all through my website, really. AlexandraWenman.com is probably the easiest way to find out what I'm doing. Fantastic. But if you go to precious-wisdom.com uh, and you sign up there, there's four free gifts. There's a few meditations and some really good... Um, tools that you can use to implement in your daily life one of them is a loving kindness meditation which will just help you come more back into your heart to find empowerment that way so i'm gonna definitely do that today thank you it's been an honor having you today so that's alexandra wenman real pleasure to speak with you thank you for sharing your story on life-changing conversations um if our audience wants to find out more about you and your books where can I get hold of your book? Are you on Amazon? I am on Amazon. I've got an Amazon author page now. So Fantastic. yeah, if you just look up, uh, it's called the Archangel Fire Oracle. Uh, and I'm Alexandra Wenman on Amazon. They're all available there. Excellent. So thank you once again. We'll post all the links um, in the comments section so our audience can easily find your website and everything else about you and your books. You've been listening to Life Changing Conversations with me, Neil Shah. You can find out more about me and my work at the Stress Management Society, which is www.stress.org.uk. Always feel free to follow us and our latest guests and latest upcoming podcast episodes on the LCC podcast page on Facebook. And you can always find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And thank you once again to our wonderful sponsors, Change Your World Events, founded by the incredible LCC producer, Susie Beaumont. Do check out their life-changing work at changeyourworld.me. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to help us create a ripple effect of positive change by liking, sharing, and commenting. Thanks again, and we'll be back next month for another edition of Life-Changing Conversations. You've been listening to the Life-Changing Conversations podcast with Neil Shah. This podcast was produced by Change Your World Events in collaboration with the Stress Management Society. Like, comment and share and keep the conversation going. Hashtag LCC podcast.